there's a guy here just in the nick of time. What does that make us? Big damn heroes, sir. Ain't we just? Hey, look at that couple. Boy, they sure seem to be in love, huh? You know, what's with that? That's the second time you've commented on couples in love. Well, I, I like that sort of thing. Tell me, do you have a girlfriend, Brody? Had one. We just broke up. The thing. Is this dork made of orange rock like the rest of his body? <laughs> it's a superhero secret. Do you play? Yes. Do you? A little bit. Play something. Not right now. This is my father's, but he doesn't play anymore. Huh? There's not that much work for Mariachi these days. Now he just watches TV. I'm sorry to hear that. TV radio show where a handful of film enthusiasts shoot the breeze about all things film and television. I'm Marcus E. Ako, and I'm feeling in a very 90s mood right now um, after uh, re-watching our guest's uh, latest film. Uh, we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Uh, but yeah, that's I'm, I'm feeling in a 90s mood. And the sun as well, is, it's, it's very weird because it's cold outside in the UK, uh, in London, where we are. Uh, and the sun is shining. It's still great. And it, it just, it flashed me right back to being in, it, it, right back to 1998. Won't exactly say why. It flashed me back to that point. Um, so that's how I'm feeling. I'm feeling in a 90s mood. David? Uh, hello, I'm David Campbell. I'm not in a 90s mood. I've only just been told about this. Life's per usual. Dropped under the bus. So um, I haven't a clue. Um, I can't even remember the 90s, to be quite honest. It was a very, very, very changeable time. Apart from the white... So many, so, many, so many substances? Well, no, no, no. That was the Y2K bug. I do remember that. That was a, that, that was a big thing up until um, two minutes past midnight on the, the year 2000. But apart from that, yeah. Oh, and the um, Millennium Dome. Yep. The fireworks, the river of fire that we were supposed to have that... Was supposed to be speak, seen from space but i don't know if it was but still yeah and speaking of the millennium bug uh we have our guest filmmaker from across the pond um we've been trying to get him on this show for quite a while but he's been avoiding us like the plague he's going to introduce himself please tell us your name and the film that you're here to talk about thank you for having me guys my name is alejandro montoya and i directed uh millennium bugs yeah, so Alejandro, it's been a long time since uh, we've been, we just talked about this just before we started the show. Uh, we've been talking from, from way back. I Zoom first was heard invented. You... Yes, yes, it's, you're right, you're right. Zoom wasn't invented. I don't, I don't know, Zoom didn't exist. Zoom was not in our, in our lexicon at the time. Um, I first heard you on uh, Giles Olson's podcast, excellent podcast, the filmmaker's podcast. He was on last week talking about his film, The Dare. I heard about you, heard you on that project because you were part of a project with an idol of mine, Robert Rodriguez. Um, let's start with that. Then we'll jump into your latest film, Millennium Bugs. 
uh, and then we'll talk about some of the stuff that you've been doing um, and so on and so forth. So, th so this episode is going to be very free, improvised, very freestyle, because just before we started, uh, producer Dave, uh, basically, he, he was saying that I throw him under the bus. I, I, I think I think that accusation is 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 True. unjustified. There is no evidence, and it's unjustified. You're saying uh, you can, Trump? I, you know, I, what? <laughs> Get out of here now, man! <laughs> I voted against him. It, it's, just, it's getting worse. Can you, Alejandro? Can you see, Alejandro? Do you see? Do you see the type of accusations I get by my own producer calling me? Yeah, it's like first I've been a witness to to a bunch of uh, back and forth abuse between these two that I'm feeling a little uneasy. I I I I've, I'm I'm obviously hurt. I'm hurt. Producer Dave has uh, accused me of certain things and called me certain names. So, uh, but anyway, I it's didn't a very call you names. I said you sounded like. I didn't I say sounded you... like. Oh, I see. I take I take it back. There. <laughs> so this this episode is going to be a little bit more improvised. We're not structured. Well, we're structured. We're still keeping with the regular structure. But we have our guest, filmmaker Alejandro Montoya Marin, who's here to tell us about his his projects. Uh, we'll basically have a full running film and TV news slash spotlight slash you know top five favorites, all with our guest entertaining us with his projects and his work uh, throughout. And we'll be chiming in every now and again. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Just being under the bus. I'm about to be run over, but carry on. <laughs> and I'll be driving that bus. Now, let's go jump into our next segment, which is uh, I forgot what our next segment is. Film and TV news. Thank you. Our next segment film and TV news. <laughs> to shoot the breeze on resonance 104.4 fm i'm marcus e Ako. i'm david campbell and we have with us filmmaker alejandro montoya marin from albuquerque i mean albuquerque. right now i'm in texas i'm in my parents house but uh i live in albuquerque yeah so i that's the thing because the last time we spoke you mentioned that you were moving between albuquerque and texas and i didn't know where you were based at the moment so you're you're still back you're back in texas though you're based in albuquerque uh, and Alejandro is a filmmaker that follows my heart, really, because you, <laughs> your movies, I've seen a couple of your movies now, and they are stewed in 90s nostalgia. It literally is. It, it's when I grew loving movies, it was the 90s. That's when I found my affinity for movies. It was watching Tarantino, Rodriguez, and that's a lot of your movies. That seems to be a lot of what your movies are like. And like I said earlier, one of the first times I heard of you, was a project that you did, which is um, which was a Rodriguez-led project. Please tell us about that project. Monday, we did Monday, part of the Rebel Without a Crew show, which is basically like a callback on his book, Rebel Without a Crew, which was basically how he did El Mariachi with $7,000 and no crew. So he had a mini documentary where he chose five filmmakers from a pool of people that submitted and sent work. And uh, I, was, I was able to do an action comedy. Now, if this were the 90s, I feel that there was more infatuation with the independent filmmaking like spirit. And maybe it's because there's just so much, so many now that, let's be honest, they're not all home runs. I mean, all of ours are home runs. 
sometimes. But you no, know, and I and I and I I agree with that sentiment. Where if it was the nineties, there was a lot more fascination with that independent spirit. But and I think I, you've you've captured the the reason right there. Right now, it is it is superfluous. Right, it's like you just go in the market is saturated with independent films because of that change. Where in the nineties, it was far more difficult to make a movie. You had a lot. You had to inject a lot more money into buying film uh, film equipment. You know, getting all the sound equipment, etc. Then when it came to editing, you know, editing on Avid, I think was was the main I hate project. Avid. Exactly. Right. So you had to do all of that stuff back then. So it was more discouraging to be. Yeah, this is something that happens quite often. Um, Marcus decides to just freeze. Um, so <laughs> he does it on purpose. <laughs> yeah, it happens quite often. And, you know, you can see yeah, that he's just about to say something. Oh, no, I've frozen again. Have I frozen again? Hold this on. is this is something that happens every once in a while. This is um, a Zoom thing. So what were you saying, Marcus? I was back. Okay. Just re recap back to what I was saying. Um, what Rodriguez proved that it, back in the 90s was how using ingenuity, you could get around that expense to make your independent film, uh, which is why he's one of my heroes. And yeah. the, back then, it was a lot more difficult to do that. Right now, because of technology, you can shoot an entire... There have been entire films in the box office shot on an iPhone. So I think, that, in my humble opinion, is why independent films aren't regarded as, you know, as important as they used to be in the 90s, right? Well, and also I feel like, I think people nowadays really like the TV show format now. Like I, when they, everyone's telling me like, oh, Alejandro, you should go check out the show. I'm like, sure, how many seasons or what? I'm like, what, what show is it? They're like, oh, there's seven seasons. I'm like, oh, f that's like five months maybe. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I want to be I want to sit down and like all right I don't care because I, the, the, we could complain about another thing about people complaining about how long movies are I'm like bitch when that when has that been a problem I don't think I've ever like oh the new Scorsese movies out whoa how long is it it's like who cares, <laughs> who cares? I, these days well I well okay well, I, I see your point I see your point for some movies, I would be happy just to dismiss. When I, we give a Marvel movie, for example, right? You say a Marvel movie, I don't care what the Marvel movie is. I know, I know that however long it is going to be, three, four, five hours, I'm going to be entertained for three, four, five hours. So I don't have a problem with that. But when it comes to, I mean, you, you gave the example of Scorsese, where The Irishman uh, came out on Netflix. And, but you sit down and you think, okay, I'm going to have to dedicate three and a half hours of my time, which for me, for example, means I avoid work, I avoid kids, and because I can't watch a Scorsese movie with my kids. No, no, I, no. So, it, you know, it, it's, it's hard getting this, this, an eight-year-old to stop saying some of the words he's heard from Goodfellas. With a Marvel movie, on the other hand, the entire family can sit down and we can all watch and we can spend that time together and it's okay. But I get your point. No one really should complain about how long a movie is, as long as it is, it is interesting. Because even though I talk about Marvel movies, I'm not watching the Wolver I'm not watching Wolverine Origins for five hours. Okay, for five minutes, I won't watch it. Yeah. Uh, so coming back to you, coming back to you. So you you did Monday as part of that project. What was the project uh, for Rebel Without a Crew? It was called Monday, and it was uh, an action comedy about a guy who has to uh, get his life back together after he gets fired and dumped, and then when he 
musters the the okay, it's time to wrestle and wrangle up life, he uh, he manages to get caught in the middle of a cartel war. So now he has to like escape and kind of do all of that before the day ends. It's very yeah, man. I honestly I wanted to make a movie that was fun because especially with what we were talking about with people not really taking and not always, but uh, lower-end independent films. I mean, because there's people that are like, oh, I love indie, and then it's like, who's in it? Kira Knightley and Mark Ruffalo. was like, bitch, not in I was, uh, I forgot what I was gonna say. Wait, what was I gonna say? It was because of the doing that in indie, seven grand. I don't remember. <laughs> you lost, you lost <laughs> your train of thought. Kira Knightley made you lose your train of thought. This <laughs> time, Alejandro, I've got a question for you because um, you're, you're talking about a Rebel Without a Crew. So, what I'd like to know is, what was the selection process? How did you get onto Rebel Without a Crew? It was a long one, David. It was. It was. First of all, you had to uh, well, obviously, submit. There's a whole questionnaire, and then it's like processes from like top. 50, they started contacting me at top 30, I think. And every step you went ahead, you would have to submit, or let me see a short film that you made, or three. Uh, send me a script to see how you write. Send me uh, a character breakdown and shot list and storyboards and camera diagrams, whatever. And then they send you like how would, they wanted to send a questionnaire of how you would react excuse me, depending if certain equipment pieces weren't there. So, <laughs> yeah, so I started just, <laughs> but it was, it was a long process, man. It was at least two, two and a half months. Because obviously the break, the, the, the whole idea is, it was within, was it seven days? You had 14, you had to have a maximum of 14 crew members um, to shoot in seven days. Zero crew members, seven grand, 14 days. 14 days. Yeah, I figured those two those days. So zero crew members, which meant, I mean, who's a cameraman? Are you the cameraman as well as the sound guy? Um, they were, they let us have a plus one because okay. Robert, Robert would get, when he wasn't shooting the guy from um, El Mariachi to just, all right, now come behind camera, hold the boom. And hold the camera. Yes, absolutely. That's what he did. Yeah. And he had friends like he, they, they would go to Mexico because it would be cheaper. And sometimes, you know, Robert used to drink. He doesn't, he doesn't anymore. He's a very like hardcore health nut, which is later remind me of a, of a really nice thing that Robert did, did for me. But he, he, you know, he would go and hang out with friends. So they would, his friends would come back in a, in a pickup truck. Hey, what are you guys doing? Oh, we're shooting a movie. We'll help you. <laughs> it's just friends. So. Yeah. I, I, I remember watching a documentary way back again in the nineties about that, about the uh, El Mariachi and how he, he managed, he got, a lot of the people in the town involved in it because he managed to get one of the news anchors to be in the film. And yeah. so the news anchor basically said, that's fine. I'll be in the film and I'll promote the movie for you while we're there. So the fact that the news anchor was in there meant that they got a lot of locations that they could shoot for free. It basically inspired, that's one of the reasons why I looked at it. I was like, this inspires the guerrilla, like uh, the, you know, guerrilla mentality of guerrilla filmmaking in me which is why I'm really drawn to Rodriguez. Um, so um, how many people effectively got to that last stage where they got to make a movie with Rodriguez? Five, including myself. Five. Wow. Okay. So you made your movie Monday. Uh, what then happened with the movie? Well, the movie we toured around film festivals, we were really, um, we were really, really happy with the reception. Like we were able to, 
to screen at South by Southwest. We were able to go to uh, Holly. We closed Holly Shorts. That was a badass moment. We were able to go to Mexico. We were able to go to several places. I think we went to um, uh, Spain, maybe France, a couple of places. So people really responded. And I think we did a really good job, man. I mean, it's not like, well, but I think we, we, we defended ourselves. We represented New Mexico uh, well, and we represented the, uh, the Hispanic, the Latinos, the Mexican-Americans, well, I hope. And, and it's just, it's, it, it was so liberating because it's like, one, first of all, I got to meet one of my heroes. Mm-hmm. I, I nerded out. Like, Robert probably thinks, like, ah, he's a weirdo. Because <laughs> I was just like, hey, there, I'm like, hey. I know you since I was a kid. Like yep. I know that cat since I was five, uh, in fifth grade, maybe. You know, like when I went to Canada to to study film, I bought, I I read his book in like two days, mm-hmm. just in the balcony in Vancouver. Just wow, this is so yeah. There there are thousands of people our age, right? That that see him that way. I mean, as part of my bucket list, I I have well, I guess now I have to cross not cross but adapt my bucket list where. I had various people that I wanted to I wanted to buy a drink, but I guess since he doesn't drink anymore, I guess I have to, re, I have to um, sort of edit it to be, maybe we share a, a plate of Puerco Pabil, something like that. Um, and some tacos, and, man. He, he has a really cool restaurant in Austin called Fresas, which is okay. strawberries. Okay. Yeah. And it's and it's like delicious margaritas and tacos. I didn't even know it was his, man. So okay. they did the show and they're like, I was like, eh, this restaurant's pretty cool. And then the, the EP was like, oh, this is Robert's. I'm like. There we go. Okay. So that's that's my, my bucket list. Changing from drink to have a taco with uh, Rodriguez. So, yeah. okay. So, because I watched Monday and I really enjoyed Monday because yes. I respected it for what it was. It, it, the fact that you had, as you said, it was literally you behind the camera um, you, you had no money at all. Seven days to shoot the entire thing. Um, so I, I, sorry, fourteen. Sorry, for, sorry. I keep messing the numbers. Fourteen days to shoot the entire thing. Um, it was it, it was great, and it was, showed great ingenuity with a lot of uh, with those restrictions in place. Um, and I remember a lot one of the last times we spoke, you said that you wanted to kind of make that into sort of your own mariachi. Um, uh, uh, trilogy it was is that still part of the plan well you know that's really funny you brought that up you remember dude like i i was this close so david if you ever want to see monday it's on prime it's free it's an hour it goes and it goes quick brother yeah that was the goal my goal was to like i want them to sit down and like just be entertained so when i saw it was infectious how people responded and they were laughing and they came out of the theater going like that was fun. Like people were ready to drink after that movie. I wanted to do a sequel and we had a hundred thousand dollars this close, like a lady. So we screened in New York kids, people who listen to this, please. You know how they say, just take the money and run. <laughs> take it. Take it. I was in New York and we, we screened at Soho film festival. By the way, you guys, if you, when all this happens, go to Soho Film Festival. It's oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, it's such a great festival. Yeah, we, 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 uh, just a little side. Uh, one of our um, regular guests, for a friend of the show, Jenna Suru, had um, uh, her uh, her debut, uh, Large Door. I need always need to check myself before I make a mistake. Is Large Door 
the golden age. I always call it the golden door by accident. I said it to a face once and Jenna, I'm really sorry. I know Jenna listens to our show all the time. Hey, Jenna, I'm really sorry. I called it the golden door. Uh, it's, it's, it's the large door, the golden age. And it played at, um, at Soho, uh, Soho festival. I would, I would love to go to Soho festival. Um, it's a great festival guys. Check it. It's really cool. Uh, we were there. Soho. What was it? What, what did I discover at Soho? Oh yeah. That lady. <laughs> okay. A hundred thousand. Yeah, that lady was just there and I met her from <clears throat> Texas, but when I told her like, oh, we're gonna go to New York next month, she said, I'm flying there. And I'm like, yeah, right. She did. <laughs> she sat like five seats away from me. So I was really nervous because we found out that we were gonna screen in front of like an NYU short film. And I was okay. like, their budget's like 50K, man. That doesn't count. That's not fair. And NYU, they have crew, they have um, equipment that they can get from the university and so on. Okay. Yeah, that's not fair. But she loved how people respond because the other one was very serious. You know how when we're young, we want to impact the world and I'm going to say something. Sure. And kudos to the kid, man. The, the movie looked great, but mine was like, eh, now let's f around. Let's just have fun. <laughs> <laughs> and people responded. So she, after the screening, went, here's 100K. I want, I want you to do the sequel. So I got really pumped and I told her, you know what? This is what happens. Don't be a good person, people. I told her, let's do this right. Let's get back home. Let's write a contract and I'll take the money then. Sure. She, uh, she was not prepared to, and you guys will back me up on this, how long Hollywood or decision making in Hollywood changes or takes yeah. that she was like, this is bullshit. El Rey Network and Robert Rodriguez is not behind you. Uh, this is too much. I'm waiting too of course. much. So I was like, okay. See, no, no, you, here's the thing. Here's the thing. And I, I completely, I respect your decision to not take the money and run, as you said, right? Um, because on, on the one hand... You're the only one. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're, you were protecting her, right? You're protecting her for that because at the end of the day, you know, she gets to save 100000 Um on the other hand, you're protecting yourself in case something went wrong. Because a, if you if she gave you that hundred thousand and you tried making a movie and then complications occurred, you're on the hook for hundred hundred grand. If you don't have a good lawyer enough to be able to take care of you, you're in trouble. Yeah. Alternatively, um, you could do everything you need to do with that hundred grand, but because no contract is signed, she technically could own the entire movie, which means you have no rights to it anymore. So all your hard work is going to somebody else that she could do whatever she wants to do with it, including using it as her own personal private watching collection, you know, DVD yeah. or whatever, and you cannot do anything with it. So while the, the instinct, especially after what happened is if that ever happens again, I'm taking the money, I'm making my movie and that's it. it you probably did the right thing by not saying, I'm, you know, the high road, right? So I'm, I'm countering what David said about me earlier. Take the high road. Don't take the low road. Take the high road. Um, and but next time, if anybody offers you a hundred thousand, have a contract ready. That's what oh. you need to have. <laughs> uh, you're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. I'm David Campbell. And we have the filmmaker behind uh, the uh, the the one of the winners of the Robert Rodriguez. Film Without a Crew series a few years ago with his film Monday. And he's come to talk to us about his new film, uh, Millennium Bugs, which we'll talk about in just a second. Alejandro Montoya Marin. Um, Hello. 
he's, he's, he's currently based in Texas, locked down with COVID, as we all are. Um, but you were, you were talking to us about Monday. Yeah. Uh, what, what's, so what's happening now with that project? Well, you can all catch Monday on, on Amazon or iTunes. So it's there in case you guys want to check it out. It's free. I think it is free at, uh, and available in the UK because Giles uh, checked it out and he was messaging me. Which, by the way, can we give Giles a shout out? I love that guy. He's such of course, a- he was. He was on the show last week talking about his uh, his his spectacular horror film, uh, The Dare. Did you buy is- it? I bought it. It's really good. Yeah, well, I, I did buy it because it was Halloween weekend, but he also gave us a screener, which was great. So I, I got to watch this, watch the screener before everyone else. And then we did the Halloween thing where it was like everyone was watching scary movies and I had to I, I put it on there, kick some money his way. I, I don't know if he'll see it directly, but at least in that direction. <laughs> and, it, and it hits the, uh, it helps with the, with the analytics, right? So that's always good. But yes, Giles, Giles is a he's, a he's a great friend of the show. His podcast, the Filmmakers Podcast, as I said, was where I first heard you on. Uh, it's a, an amazing podcast. But yeah. shout out to Giles. Let's move back on to you. What's happening with Monday right now? I'm just checking on Amazon Prime to yeah. see if Monday is available, and it is. Yes, armed with armed with a 7K budget and no crew, Monday is part of Robert Rodriguez's show film a rebel without a crew monday had to be shot and edited with only seven grand in 14 days yeah before we go on, before we go on um as as you just mentioned rebel without a crew again um i want to just quickly ask what challenges did you and the other four uh, directors face while filming your respective oh. projects my man there's a i think there's like 10 episodes in the show because there are a bunch from I'm being really honest. Nothing was fabricated. There were no, um, you know, I told them from day one, like I swear, before I took the thing, I told them if I get there and you're going to make me dig in like a pile of for a key or something like that, I will walk. I, <laughs> I didn't because in my head I was like, why need to be doing that shit? Like, <laughs> you, 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 you start off with a seven grand budget. However, if you shove your hand in this cow's anus, you might get an extra 50, 000, 50 pounds or $50. 50 bucks, yeah. <laughs> it's like, not worth it. Um, <laughs> you, you would. For the extra $50, you would. At that if, point, you'd if be that like, was yep, tipsy, let's do it. If I was tipsy or high, probably. I'd be like, <laughs> think about it. Though. No, but everything, man, from, from casting to to equipment to really, really, like I had to split food with, 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 with Kenny, the, one of the actors that served as an AD as well, because he, when he wasn't acting, I was just like, dude, help me keep this on time. Yeah. So, because we wanted to save as much money for the soundtrack, which I knew that it, it's, it's pivotal. If you have music with, already a rough kind of filmmaking, you're not going to captivate or grab anyone's attention. So I was like, I tried to save as much as possible. And I was able to save like $1,700 for the soundtrack. So we, uh, that was my priority to see how much more I can save. But everything, David, every single department was a problem. It dropped 30 degrees one night and it was freezing and, uh, to we only had eight hours per day because the house was like an hour away from set, so that eats up another hour back and forth. Yeah, 
No, so much stuff, my man. So much stuff. Editing was, you had a deadline and you couldn't reshoot. So if you, we lost sound for a scene. Like, oh. I was lucky that the only shot that we had no sound on, and I don't know why, because nothing else was missing and the sound was pretty good. But uh, we lost the sound, but it was a one shot. So we were able to, uh, you know, dub it pretty of course, averagely. <laughs> but like I said, I mean, watching the pro watching the film, especially when you know all the constraints around it. If if you watch, if you go into the film not knowing anything about the history, you're gonna watch it and say, "What the heck is this that I'm watching?" But knowing the context of how the movie was made, under what constraints, when you then turn around and look at it, you're like, "No, that I don't know how you made that shot. I don't know how you did that bit in particular." And just something because and you were especially around the start of the film you what you could see your ambition your level of ambition where basically you wanted to prove that if someone's watching this and they start watching this they don't immediately guess that this is what it is so i liked the i liked that idea it was very good um so you mentioned that a, a lady was offered a hundred thousand for it but that didn't pan out so what are you going to do now so because covid has kind of not kind of but has restrained <laughs> I mean, kind of, because some people don't give a shit about it. So. That's, no, that's true. There are a lot of filmmakers. Giles Olsen, for example, is one of them. I know Dom Noir. I know the Shakespeare sisters as well. These are all filmmakers that I, that they put me to shame. I've, I've got on record and said, I'm putting my film career on the shelf for now um, because I can't go out and do... But that's me just showing, I guess, I have oh. no testicles. When um, <laughs> the, the, the filmmakers with testicles, like the Shakespeare sisters, Genesuru, uh, all of these ladies are going out and they're doing, they're working on their feet. Bijang Tong, he made an international movie. Um, and it's just, honestly, these are filmmakers that I am like, I have utmost respect for you. It's okay to be safe. You gotta be safe. Like, I, 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 we didn't, I shot two short films during COVID. And we were going to shoot a feature film, but I had to walk away for creative differences. But we, since we weren't able to turn it into a movie, what's another way that we can make something happen that people can enjoy? So we did a Tuesday comic book, and it's a graphic novel. It's about 80 pages, and it's what happens right after Monday. Oh, is, that, is that available now to, to read? No, but it's almost available. Like I don't think it should take more than a month. So a month and a half and it'll be ready. So if any, I, I'm sure I'm going to post it on social media. So if you guys follow me at, at Alejandro Montoya Marin, I post about it all the time. And so does my, my graphic designer or my illustrator, whose name is Emery. He has a pretty big following and we'll start posting about it. So I'm sure uh, I'll send you guys a copy or two just for, as a thank you for having me on your show, my man. Hey, we'd, we'd, and we'd be happy to spread it as well. So absolutely, please send that on. Um, I'll have, be happy to post it on the uh, YouTube channel as well that I'm doing, which is The Idiot on the Writer's Block. So, and just as you said, it's, it's a great way of being able to, if you can't shoot your film, a great way to do it is as a graphic novel or as a, as a comic book. Again, something that I'm doing. So please send it to us. We'll put it on our, um, on our uh, Instagram account. It's at Shoot the Breeze Show on Instagram. On Twitter, it's uh, STB underscore Resonance FM. We'll post it around. Resonance FM as well are great. Yep, absolutely. That you, uh, uh, Alejandro is just showing us that he's got, he's got access to us on, on Instagram. That's fantastic. Resonance FM as well will be happy to retweet and post. So send it to us. We'll share it out with as many people as well as I'll put it on the YouTube channel, The Idiot on the Writer's Block. 
Okay, you now are working on a new project. In fact, you've got a new film that is doing the is touring the circuit called Millennium Bugs. Yes. Tell us, what is it? What is it about? How long did it take you to make? And let's talk more about that. After after Monday, I I did get several interviews. I was able to go to a couple of uh, uh, of bigger name places to kind of introduce myself and who I am and what I'm what I'm trying to accomplish as a filmmaker, but I think just Robert ignites something in you where, you know, not everyone, but Hollywood likes to say no. Hollywood likes to say, well, who's the stars or who are this? And Robert's mentality is just saying, F it, just go do it. Just go do it. And then, then just here's the movie. So I had this investor, mind you, that he was gonna be, he was gonna play a role in the movie. And he was like, here's the money, let's do it. And then he kept asking for more scenes. And I'm like, well, the movie's not about you. And I'm <laughs> like, it's, it's, you're, the, you're the dad. Is that the dad? Not that guy, not the oh, guy okay, that- right <laughs> Yeah, cause, cause after I told him like, look, I can add a scene, I totally understand that. I mean, that's fine but I'm not going to add three more scenes because one, it's going to, it's going to cost me more to do it. It might jump us to a second day, another day, or depending on what the scene is, how long it is, how much coverage, etc. So I said, no, it was, it sucked because this was right before Christmas and we were going to come back and shoot it. And because I wanted it to be cold because of new year's, etc. After several other steps, we just decided to go the crowdfunding uh, yeah. route and, that is one of the hardest things I've ever done. And I did Rebel without a crew. <laughs> See, okay, let's, let's pause there for a second. We'll talk about the uh, plot of the movie in just a second. So you, you, you're talking about doing crowdfunding. For, for anybody who doesn't know what crowdfunding is, is essentially when you go on particular websites to put your project up and appeal to the mass public and basically say, here's the project that we're doing. Here are the, the cast and crew. Um, we need this amount of money to do this. And if you invest this amount of money, you get tiers of, uh, you know, um, recognition or something or packages. You put $10 and you get a thank you. You put $50, you get a copy of the movie. And if you put $10,000, you become executive producer and you can sleep with my wife. Something along those lines. Uh, you can put that, not my wife. She, yeah. yeah, she, far more than 10,000. How much was it? <laughs> I, oh, I hope she doesn't hear this. No, yeah, she'll probably clap you around the head, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be in deep trouble when she hears this. Um, but, but that's what crowdfunding is. Now, we've just... Um, Murder Ballads was one that came on a while ago, um, a couple of episodes ago. Um, uh, Mitch, Tol uh, Mitch Tolliday came to promote his movie, and he just... They just hit the target um, just before the deadline. How did your uh, crowdfunding campaign go? You know what? It went slow but steady that's what i like to say because we put two months and i only there was one part where i, I first of all i didn't think we were going to raise it i'll be completely honest I did how not, much did you set to raise i can't well, <laughs> okay fair enough, fair enough no no um fifty-five thousand. okay now, which platform did you use i used indiegogo and i'm not going to use that anymore ever if I like the thing is that I I don't I'm not planning on doing another crowdfunding anytime soon just because it's I did it by my not by myself like there were people, but I did the majority of the work and it is very time consuming and at mm -hmm. the time I had a job 
And at the time I was doing this, it was just, it was panda, like to me, it was time consuming. The anxiety level grew like you have no idea. I was checking my phone every 30 seconds. I became a slave to my phone. I was just like, hello, hello, hello. And, and, and it really, it really got me, man. My respects to everyone who does one. It's not, it's, it's not easy because you technically have to beg people. Mm -hmm. that's, no, that's exactly what it is because all the people you're reaching out to you're literally saying please give me money please give me money uh, you'll have this if you, you can, please give me money and you'll get your family and friends who will chip in a couple of bucks here and there yeah. but unless you're a public figure i mean yeah you hear stories about like the veronica mars movie that yeah, crushed it's it, you know it, it blew away its deadline in the first few hours but that's because it had a, a sizable yeah. fan base where the director just had to come out and say, I'm just getting um, uh, uh, keep, uh, Kirsten Bell. I'm just getting Kirsten Bell to sit down with me and we'll talk about our day and we'll shoot it and it'll cost uh, $3.5 And within two hours, a lot of fans will go and they will do that. So they don't have to pander as much as yeah. ourselves who oh, don't yeah. have that much of a fan base to be able to do that. So, yeah. I had to, I had to basically go through all, all my emails and all my contacts to let them know like, Hey, well now we're doing this. But what was really cool is that we were able to put Monday helped me get millennium bugs funded. Okay. So let's talk about the plot for millennium bugs. Mm -hmm. Millennium bugs is a dramedy uh, between two best friends that need to figure out what the next stage in their life is while the rest of the world is freaking out uh, with Y2K and they're trying to figure out what the next stage is. So it's, it's a little, it's a, it's a dramedy about friendship, about two characters that are just completely the opposite. But for some reason they work because they just come from various, you know, parts of the world and various ethnicities and sexual orientations. But at the core of it, it's their friendship and how much they love each other as friends, obviously, that makes them survive the unimaginable and continue to the next stage. And I enjoyed the movie as well, because like I said, again, kind of adding to the my feelings for today or the my my mood, it really tapped into that 90s nostalgia for me, because not only did you have some of the music that was playing, the mood and the tone reminded me of the early, not even the early, not 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 even clerks like the Kevin Smith type movie. So um more mole rats and chasing Amy. So it reminded me. That's a great, that's a great observation because everyone says clerks because of the video store, but I'm no, like, uh, it was more mole rats for me. Yes, exactly. It, with, with clerks, the, the reason why I wouldn't go with clerks, I'd go with mole rats or with um, chasing Amy is because with clerks, again, under tight budget, he shot it in black and white, limited locations and whatnot. You don't do that. You move around quite a lot. And what, yes, you, 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 you know, a, a, um, an experienced eye, can tell a lot of the ways you're cheating some of the areas, which is great. Uh, I love that there's one area where they, not going to spoil it, but they do, you use an animated scene, you use animation to represent something that, a caper that, that occurs, which is great. So, you know, if you're not really looking out for it, you can, you tell this is, this is a, this is a studio movie, but it's not obviously. Um, and, but yeah, so it, it reminded me more of that because you play around a lot more with style and with context. Whereas with clerks, he didn't do that at that point. He did that more with more rats, with chasing Amy, uh, dogma. And then he started getting bigger and bigger in that case. So it reminded, it reminded me of that. Obviously one of the central characters is Mexican. So that reminded me of early Rodriguez, not as action packed as Rodriguez, obviously, 
Um, yeah. No, but, no, one, yeah. no one comes out swinging shotguns and 45s while jumping in the air like Antonio. Yeah, I, and also it reminded me of those movies, and I'm, 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 I'm forgetting um, directors' names, but you know things like Empire Records and uh, kind of Dazed and Confused, I guess we'll I'll probably put that in that kind of... So it's like small town, you know, group of friends, and that 90s nostalgia, the music as well, does a lot with that. So that's why it really lodged me in that. Plus, the central... Um, um, plot is about the millennium bug right so you know going through that so what made you go back and set your your film in that era well first of all it was a friend that was like has anyone known a movie about y2k and i was like that'd be dope but then i i mean it's such a little it's such a small budget so i think that that's why i was like well you know, it can't be like an end of the world thing where we have like streets blocked and like the shopping cart and people running in cars and flames. It's, it's like, what about like, you know, like Lahane. Lahane doesn't show the, the riot. It's just afterwards. Yeah. So I was like, why don't we just show two people who are not really paying attention, but slowly, slowly it's starting to creep into their lives. And yeah, that was basically it. Like I wanted to show, first of all, it was going to be like, will they, won't they? And then as I was doing the next pass of the script, I was like, no, I want them to just be friends. Yeah. And, and, and to uh, how they, the, what they, the, what they lack, they get from the other person mm-hmm. and vice versa. Cause I feel like, you know, she's more spontaneous. She's more, she doesn't give it. She tells it how, how it is. And he's more, well, you know, he has a filter. He comes from family that, you know, still there. It's very important. So, um, and it was more than anything just to have, I want to spend time with characters that I love and, and the story that I love and music that I love. So I just, I just wanted to do something that I, you know, if I'm going to put a project out there, it's, they, don't, they don't have to just be like, oh, because I have to do something. It's something that, I, that really means something to me. Like that dinner scene, that, that was me and my parents. That was me and my sister and my mom and my dad. It seemed it, it it felt very personal, and I'm going to come yeah. back to that in just one second. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. I'm David Campbell, and we have filmmaker Alejandro Montoya Marin. He's talking to us about his latest film, Millennium Bugs, uh, which is it's currently doing the festival circuit. Um, yes. I, I'm hoping it, as soon as it's done, it's it's on either Amazon Prime or on uh, Netflix or someone picks it up so that, you know, more people can get to see it and have the same sort of nostalgic feeling that I, I'm getting from it. Um, now, this is the second time I'm actually seeing the film. Uh, the first time you edited, you, you've obviously, it's gone through a, 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 an editing pass. And the very first bit I want to ask about was the first time I watched it, there was there are a couple of actors that pop up at the very beginning, the opening scene, and they play police officers. One is, uh, I, I know him as Sensei Ken. Uh, he pops up. He's a comedian. He pops up a lot on on my Facebook feed quite a lot as who's it's it's a ridiculous martial arts thing. It's obviously comedy and it's him and his put upon sidekick or assistant. And they were always showing new techniques. They played the police officers in the in the first part of the movie. Why did you why did you what happened? Well, I honestly, like, I loved it because to me, that whole scene, there's this really big, well, it's not there, so technically it's no spoiler. At the beginning of the movie, we have a will, did she, didn't she, that later gets revealed in the movie, but 
I have my joke was that projectile vomit. Yes. To kind of like, well, there's the gag from the 90s from Dumb and Dumber. And, you know, there's the big elaborate gag. Got it. Okay. But some people didn't respond to it. I like how insanely absurd it was because it's just, I don't know, it comes out of nowhere and you're like, wait, what, why is that? And then the rest of the movie's different. So yeah. I kind of don't want people to be like checking a box and like, well, let's see what's going to happen. I know everything. I see. But several people close to me didn't like it. And by didn't like it, they mean like, well, it just doesn't go with the movie. I listened and I took it out and then I hate it because I wanted to put Matt and, 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 and John, Tom, sorry, in, in the in the movie but one of my producers was like if you remove it i think it feels more like a film i'll be i'll be honest i'll be honest and watching it from a from an objective perspective the second second take works better um it's just because you you instantly recognize those two police officers i say you um if you if if you've seen their 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 comedy you instantly recognize them and it does pull you in and then it starts the movie and it's like, okay, we've got our, you know, our, our five minute sketch at the beginning, like the, when you're watching Pixar and they have a short, short movie that sort of just <laughs> gets you into the mood of the movie. And then you, you start watching uh, Moana or whatever comes up afterwards. Uh, it, that's kind of how it was for me, watching that little co comedic sketch at the beginning and then the credits roll. And then we watch the movie and we carry on. I do agree objectively that it is a complete tonal shift. And as such, and that's why, I, so I've always had that in the back of my mind. I want to ask what happened. Maybe you fell out with those two actors and you had to cut them out of the movie or something. Oh, like no, that. no, no falling out or nothing. Uh, I just, I was like, I think as much as I liked it, we didn't need it. I think it's more mysterious as in not, you know, to see the movie and it opens with this girl in the back of the cop car. Like, what the yeah. fuck did you do? So slowly it gets revealed and I think it just brings their relationship connection better because you're finding all the exposition is like them catching up from like, Oh, how was your weekend? Well, like at this. And I think that's better because that's how it used to be. We used no, I to agree. I, I agree with you completely. I agree with you completely. And like I said, it's just the start, the start adds that air of mystery where she's just the back. And if anything, it tells the story of her really. Um, because what you have is her in the back. You, you hear the cops. You don't hear what has happened. You yeah. just hear it as background noise. And the, the camera slowly pan, uh, pulls in on her sitting in the back. You see the police officers doing their thing, lights flashing. Um, and you see the look on her face. And I don't know if it's just me sort of putting my own um, opinion on it. But it's you kind of see the... And she's terrific. The actress that you got playing the character, her name escapes me. She's terrific. She has moments of pure comedic manic genius that I really enjoyed. And then also moments of quiet introspection, like that original that opening scene, just of her sitting in the back. You kind of imagine that she's processing in her head that she shouldn't be here. She shouldn't be here. Not because, you know, she'd prefer to be someplace else, but just that she's, her life is spiraling out of control and she shouldn't be here. And then it cuts. And then you see her come out of, out of the lockup and she heads in and she gets the coffee and she tips the coffee out and pours the whiskey in it. And I'm like, you know, yeah, you're my girl right there. And it does. It, it, it's, it's great. It, it's, it, I really, it, it's, it's great. So I, I, I rave about the projects a lot, but I think it's a great project that you've got on your hands with Millennium Bugs. I it's think as you, somehow you need to try and get as many people as possible to watch it. And I hope it gets, it gets all the recognition that it deserves. Yeah.
I hope so too. Well, I hope so just because we put a lot of work into it. Like Katie, Katie Aaron, who plays um, uh, Kelly and Michael Lovato, they, 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 they work their asses off, man. And I, yeah, I, I really, I'm really happy and I'm really proud of the project. It was, it was such a, it took almost two years because then we were going to screen it at South by and then COVID came and then there was no festivals available so we went, we started, we started a little bit later because um, it's, it's, it's new territories. Like people are trying to figure this out, how to, how to continue doing festivals and screening movies because Hollywood isn't doing it. I mean, not a lot because obviously COVID. So I'm really happy with the project, man. I'm really happy that you guys checked it out and, and, and liked it. Thank you. Thank you for checking it out. Not a problem. Not a problem. Um, okay. So as I said, we're going to be doing uh, this uh, today's episode a slightly different. Um, normally we tend to do our top five section with all of us talking about top fives, but because I'm surprising producer Dave with this, I'm not going to throw him under the bus. Like he always accuses me of doing. No, no, no. Uh, you admit to doing. <laughs> I, whatever I ever, admit, I never admit, see that's the kids. If you're listening to this, I will go and never find admit episodes. When you're wrong. I will go and find the episodes and cut out the bits and say, where you were sitting. <laughs> Dude, that's a montage. Yes, that's it. All right, so we're going to jump into our next segment, which is Top 5 Favorites. So for our top five favorites this week, rather than all of us going through, we're going to dedicate it to our filmmaker guest today, Alejandro Montoya uh, Marin, who is going to be telling us his top five favorite uh, 90s movies, you know, movies that influenced uh, Millennium Bugs. And the way we always do it, we always start with number five and go all the way down to number one. Since it's just Alejandro talking um, or giving us his picks, we have a lot more time to flesh out and talk about the different movies. Because trust me, if he picks some of the movies that I'm hoping he picks, I'm going to be geeking out. Let's okay. see. <laughs> yeah, so we'll see. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. I'm David Campbell. And Alejandro Montoya Marin, what is your number five and number four favorite films from the 90s? Okay, so we can't name Mallrats because we already mentioned that that was too obvious. No, you can't say you can't name it. If you want to, feel free to name it. I'm just saying, but it's your top five. Cinema Paradiso. Okay, okay. That's number five, Cinema Paradiso. Okay. I love that movie. Love it. But I think, well, that's 80. Was that 89? I'm checking because I think that it, it's 88. Okay, it's really 88. Fast. It's 88, so it falls out of the night. It doesn't count there. Yeah. So because you know you want you want to hear a funny story. I saw that back to back in like a grindhouse marathon kind of style. Oh, nice! But I saw it with RoboCop. With what? Sorry, RoboCop. <laughs> Cinema Paradiso with Robocop Yeah, first I saw Robocop Because that was the movie I went to go see My, my oh. uncle was like, oh, let's go see I'll take you, and I was like, fuck yeah So Ro- first of all, I shouldn't be watching Robocop At age six, but I did Says who? Exactly, says the <laughs> The MPA <laughs> But As soon as that movie was done The, 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 the Little kid that was like The, the, the bellboy or whatever the hell 
from the theater was like, oh, by the way, this is a matinee and the next movie's on. Uh, we'll be playing in the next two minutes. And it was Cinema Paradiso. And I didn't understand Jack, but I loved yeah. it. Okay. All right. Okay. But those two are 80s. Those two are 80s. What um, is, yeah. Rushmore. Nice. Um, that's uh, Bill Murray and, oh, I, I always forget his name. Um, Jason Schwartzman. Yes, him. Uh, Jason yeah. Schwartzman. And that's the, um, it, it's uh, Wes Anderson, right? Yeah. Yeah. I love that movie. I identified with that movie so much because when I was, the way I started doing film was almost the same way as he did theater. I was okay. failing every subject. Every subject, including Spanish, English, math, everything. Except for film. Well, no, f it. I was failing art. Okay, so, fair enough. I was, because that was my, I saw. Ah, he's frozen. Is it just me or has uh, Alejandro frozen? Yeah, he's frozen for me as well. So, uh, we're, we're oh, man, did, did I freeze? Yeah, yeah, you did. You froze in a very yeah. weird position as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was. It was more. Like... <laughs> yeah. no, much. Yeah. Oh, but, but you're back in now. Okay. Yeah. So I was failing, and my teacher said, "You're gonna uh, for art was like you're gonna have to do some extracurricular activities or something if you want to pass and not fail the year." And I was like, "Fuck, okay." So I organized a play. And I organized a play based on Braveheart, which I just oh. kind of readapted from the from watching the movie. I was like, okay, then the English come down, you know, just just like that. And then I took a bunch of my friends and we did it in front of the gymnasium. Okay. And people loved it. People were having a blast. We had the soundtrack. So the next year, failing again, my my teacher was like. You're not, uh, you're failing again. Are you going to do another play? And I said, no, you know what? This time I'm going to do a movie. Nice. And I snuck in. I took my, 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 my dad's camera and I was, and I shot a Star Wars film with my friends. This can be. But like, it's still, yeah. The credits with paper going off. Yeah. <laughs> that's, and, that's good. Okay. Yeah. That's, so that kind of ties into Rushmore. And that was your number five. What's your number four? I mean, it's going to have to be two of them because- uh, singles by Cameron Crowe, and I really liked which Reality Bites, which is I think a big influence on Millennium Bugs, just from the name, sure. from the name kind of channel. But I, the soundtrack, man, that Reality Bites soundtrack is amazing. The performances, uh, what it's saying. I really think Ben Stiller is an underrated director. He is a really good director. No, because I, I, yeah, I remember Ben Stiller's in it, Ethan Hawke is in it, and uh, Winona Ryder. I remember One seeing... the biggest uh, crushes in the, in the 90s. Yeah, I remember seeing um, I remember seeing Reality Bites, um, but I didn't see, I haven't seen singles yet, so I, I might want to check that out. Excellent. Okay, so that's your, that's your number five, and you have a joint number four. What is your number three and number two? I want to go ah, number three, nine, uh, Goodfellas. I mean, and okay, Goodfellas, Goodfellas. Too easy. It's too easy. My my list is like boring, traditional, cliche. <laughs> I'm, I'm still I'm still waiting for you to hit because all the ones that you've mentioned, yes, they're okay films. Goodfellas, I think, is a great film. I say okay films. I don't mean okay films. I mean for me, right? It's not geeking me out just yet because I'm agreeing they're good movies. Uh, Goodfellas, number three, is is a good movie. What's your number two? I'm still waiting for that geek moment. 
Well, I mean, if you're if you're trying to get me to say Rodriguez, it's going to be on this one because I think this blo- number two is there's just so many like all these movies that I've mentioned has some sort of inspiration. But like, if I have to pick a Rodriguez film, it's not going to be El Mariachi. It's okay. going to be either Despera- Desperado from Dust Till Dawn. Absolutely, absolutely. Either one of those two, I completely agree with. I. I okay, so this is not my top five, but yes, your Desperado is what I was waiting for you to talk to to mention, so I can chime in and start to say why I love uh, Rodriguez so much. Desperado because... is such a good movie, man. Oh. It really, is. my girlfriend, my girlfriend is like watch it uh, every time we scroll it. She watches like. I won't say no to watching Antonio Banderas like that. <laughs> She's like, yeah, we're watching Antonio Banderas. I'm and I'm like, Salma Hayek. <laughs> and Robert. And, yeah, I, I, yeah exactly. uh, no, you're right. Uh, Desperado for me is, is I watched um, Desperado first and then I went back and watched El Mariachi and I saw how they kind of similar together, similar and done a lot of movies after that as in Rodriguez, but Desperado always holds a place in my heart. It's my top, it's in my top, Five favorite movies of all time. Love that movie so much. What is your number one favorite 90s film of all time? And I'm skipping Silence of the Lambs. Of course. We're not saying we're not saying best. We're not saying best movies of the 90s. We're saying your favorite. Um Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction. Great. Ridiculous. Ridiculous cliche. Uh, no, you're right. I mean, Pulp Fiction is amazing. Uh, again, with Tarantino, it's a, it's a little bit more difficult. Tarantino has a Rodriguez connection as well. I mean, both on, on uh, not Desperado, but on um, uh, uh, the one you mentioned. Dust Till uh, Dawn. Dust Till Dawn, yes. Dust Till Dawn. Actually, no, he's in Desperado. I keep forgetting. Um, but, and in from Dust Till Dawn. <laughs> yes, he's in Dust Till Dawn. He's in Dust Till Dawn. He's also in Desperado. Uh, and and that there? was... There's the scene where he, the bar scene where he comes in, he tells the joke, um, uh, where it's about the guy who goes to the bartender and he makes the yes exactly. Um, he he tells the joke. I told I told I'm gonna just keep it out there because we're about to wrap up. It's great. I told my kid, my ten year old kid, that joke, and just no one else was right. I was like, right, you here's this joke. You're not gonna tell this joke until you're at least fourteen, or you tell it to your friends. And if anybody catches you, I didn't tell you this joke. He's like, all right, cool. And I told him the joke. It's oh, great. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, you've, you've been listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. Alejandro Montoya Marin, I want to say thank you very much for joining it sucks. us. I couldn't, I couldn't chat with like David. We couldn't talk. That's because Mr. Man talks a lot. And I Bruce, Davis, Bruce, Bruce Davis is like, no, no, no. You see that bus that he tried to drive over me? No, I dodged it. I dodged it. <laughs> my way. So well, you come, well, you come back and we can chat some more next time. Absolutely. Anytime. This was so much fun. Thank you so much, guys, for taking the time and watching Millennium Bugs. And I got a couple of short films coming up that I'm almost done editing. So I would love to share them your way. And anything you got, please send it my way. Let's schedule something in the next couple of weeks and we can get you back on. You can talk about more projects and we'll get you. You need to get your questions lined up for uh, producer Dave so you can start asking him those questions. Done. I'm going to do it, dude. (laughs) Excellent. And uh, everyone else has been listening. You've been listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I have been Marcus E. Ako. I'm still David Campbell. Thank you very much for listening. See you next week. Bye. He he, he always says that he's not going to say anything. I've you know, I've I've been because he still is. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh.
Thanks. Great day.